We are. Uh, this is American Conversations. I'm Christine Dolan, and we are with uh, Dr. Johnny Teague, who is a Baptist pastor. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you and your viewers. Thank you for having me on. Well, now, uh, Pastor, let's let's begin with you are running uh, for U.S. Congress uh, as a Republican in Houston. I think it's District 7. Do I have that right? You are correct. All right. So you are a man of faith, strong faith, uh, patriot. So let's let's talk a little bit about your background um, mm-hmm. and why you're running. I mean, people running today, especially as a, you know, as a person of strong faith, mm-hmm. you're in the crossfires because they're because, you know, there's a lot of woke people out there who are coming after uh, Judeo-Christianity, Western civilization. Um, you know, if you be- if you believe in God, you know they 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 question your your sanity at this point yeah. in time. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're in this race. Well, I'm uh, like you said, I'm a pastor. I I got a, I have five college degrees. I got out of college and began to work for Shell Pipeline as an accountant, and uh, I I loved it. I love mathematics. Uh, taught college algebra at, while I was at Tarleton, but I like getting out of the office. So I got my MBA at the University of Houston and began to do sales and other things. And uh, then I actually I surrendered to preach and got my master's and my doctorate and uh, been a pastor 21 years. The church I pastor has been chosen most baptisms in Texas, two out of the last five years for our church size, and things are going well. But but the reason we're here today is that our nation is in great peril, and I believe firmly we all have to get involved. I don't believe anybody ought to hide behind a pulpit or behind a church steeple. Uh, some of our greatest leaders in the history of this country were either seminary trained or pastors. In fact, 13 of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were pastorally trained. Uh, the right-hand general of General Washington at Yorktown was the Reverend Peter Muhlenberg. But our freedoms are at stake. We've all got to step up. So that's why I'm running for Congress. I, By God's grace, I defeated six opponents in the Republican primary. They all are working with me today. They're my friends. And uh, we're challenging a very uh, liberal incumbent named Lizzie Fletcher. So let's talk about your platform. Um, Where where are you coming from? And I guess, what are your priorities? Well, I guess my first priority above all is our rights are at stake. And you go down the, the 10 Bill of Rights and you will find that nearly every one of them is, is being kind of at least overridden, ignored from freedom of speech, where if we disagree, we can be blocked on Facebook. We can be silenced in the school. uh, We can lose our job on the college campus. We can uh, lose a contract in our corporate America system. It was never meant to be this way. I'm going to a rally later on today, and uh, there's this huge push for transgender um, in our schools a drag queen story hours for our toddlers. And man, when you speak up, you are called a whack and nut. So freedom of speech is in jeopardy. Freedom of assembly. We found that in COVID uh, when they started putting these mandates out. They told the churches, you must close. You can't assemble. They told the uh, social groups, you can't gather together. And uh, then we had freedom of religion. 
where before, they, before you go before you please, go there before you go there pastor please. talk about what happened to your church because there was an ordinance in your area yeah. to, to close the churches and mm -hmm. you know god love you you said no yeah there were in the county of harris county where i am they uh, said that churches will be closed and any pastor who dares to open the church will be arrested. There was no wiggle room there. And uh, I, we received a notification from the Harris County judge that we will be arrested. The pastors will be. I caught our local um, police station, which is right down the street, talked to, and we were there to support our local law enforcement uh, during some great threats a few months before. And I called the commander down there and I said, look, we have been told we're going to, I'm going to be arrested if I open Sunday, but I want you to know I am opening Sunday and we will have people there. Are you going to arrest me? And the uh, commander down at the station said, Johnny, I'm supposed to, but I will not be arresting you. And so we had church. We were running 700, 800. We have a thousand members. We dropped uh, 50, 60 that first Sunday because mm -hmm. people were afraid to turn out and we've been growing ever since we're almost back to what we were before COVID, but we have to take a stand. I've wore a bulletproof vest in the pulpit four times because we've taken stands against CRT against black Hebrew Israelite stands against uh, uh, the drugs that are very prevalent in my district in our church neighborhood. And, uh, but we've got to stand. Patrick Henry said is, is life so sweet or peace so dear that we would surrender to the price of chains? So did you require people to wear masks? No. No mask required. No vaccination required. I did what I always do. I greet people at the door, hug their neck, pray with them after every service. I was blessed not to get COVID. In fact, we didn't have one COVID case for that whole year. Finally, one couple got covid but it wasn't at church. They had gone to Las Vegas and they got it in Vegas and came back. But thankfully, we, we didn't have an outbreak. So go on with it. So freedom of religion. Is yes, freedom of religion. The coach in Washington State, we followed him, Joe Kennedy, just wanted to kneel after a ball game and thank mm -hmm. God for the privilege to coach kids. And as you follow that case, he lost his job. Thankfully, the Supreme Court has stood behind him. But we're looking at our freedom, freedom, Second Amendment, freedom to bear arms and to keep arms. And uh, we have seen that thing so perverted. We're saying, well, uh, the Constitution really only gave you the right to have a gun if you hunted or to defend yourself. When our founders put that in there to defend us against an overreaching government, and they're doing gun buybacks right now here in Houston. You know, people are selling their guns. People are making guns and selling them to make money. But I guarantee you the criminal element is not going to give up their guns. And we have got to defend that right. So across the board, our rights are at stake. So I, I think, Ms. Christine, the first uh, priority for me is to stand for our rights. And I'm so thankful that our founders demanded a Bill of Rights when even Hamilton thought, uh, or Madison didn't think it was necessary, but it was fully necessary. And we find more so today than ever before. But I go to what's my platform and forgive me for monologuing. 
That's okay. I believe the ABCs of good government. One is, A, we audit every election. We make sure that those votes are cast, that they are legitimate votes, that they're counted correctly. I believe if we audit every election and we have still punishments where there's fraud, I think we'll have cleaner elections. B, we have got to balance our budget. We're $33 trillion in debt. Mm-hmm. Our debt out is larger than our national annual GDP. And we are literally um, forfeiting our futures. We're mortgaging our futures. C, we've got to control the border. Here in Texas, we are overwhelmed at our border. Two million that have been caught. Uh, we've had probably estimate a million or so more have not been caught. And I would say it'd be the equal. So let's say four million. We're letting in the city of Houston uh, every year. We're not screening them. Fentanyl is killing 300 people every day in our country. When COVID was killing 300 a day, they shut everything down. Fentanyl is killing 300 a day. And our borders are still wide open. Our vice president says the border is under control. She's incorrect. It took 19 hijackers on 9-11 to bring that great destruction and death toll. And we're we caught 73 terrorists this last year coming across just this year. And uh, it only took 19. How many got away? So we got to control the border. We got to build up our national defense. That's the D. Build up national defense. China surpassed us in naval power. Uh, Russia has the lead on us in hypersonic uh, missiles. We got to build up our national defense. E is education. Parents have a right to know what their kids are taught. They have a right to dictate what their children learn. And they're not terrorists for standing up against the school board and saying, you're not going to teach my son how to masturbate in first grade. You're going to teach him math, science, reading, and writing, and let all these personal issues be taught by us. Elf comes down to fuel, oil and gas. Uh, we need those fossil fuels. Europe has tried clean energy and found it, it's insufficient. So they're going back to fossil fuels. We do except, it. Except for this one, or they, they, a lot of people are going to freeze. because They, they are going to freeze. And mm-hmm. California is going to be our test case of what's going to happen when we literally uh, divorce ourselves from oil and gas. We do it clean. We do it right. Electric will never suffice. In fact, Electric energy brings greater pollution than oil and gas does. And so I could go on down there, but but these are the main things we're standing for. I do think it was interesting, California, they're shutting down their dairies because of, of methane pollution from the cattle. Uh, we have lost our minds and we got to get well, there's, it. And it's, it's a global losing of the minds. I mean, what's, yeah. happening, what's happening in Holland with the farmers? I mean, 2%, yeah. you know, they, they, they produce... Two percent of agriculture comes yep. out of comes out of Holland. I mean, it's it, for, for the world. I mean, it, it, this this is major. It's a major shift in the paradigm of, of craziness. I I think now. I agree. One, one, one of the things, Johnny, I wanted to ask you is you had worked because we're covering COVID. You know, we cover COVID from every angle. You had worked for Pfizer. Let yeah. me ask you, and you worked there, I think, from 1995 to 2000. Mm-hmm. What did you do for Pfizer? Pfizer, I was a pharmaceutical rep for cardiovascular medicines, from blood pressure to cholesterol uh, to diabetes. Those were my main uh, products. 
So let's talk about ethics, because I think the the overall umbrella right now is, you know, ethically what is happening across the world, especially in the West. Okay. What is your take on, on all this the COVID Pfizer, the document dumps, the ethics? I mean, did, there's a lot of questionable practices here that we've found from the clinical trials, the manufacturing standards and protocols. What is your take from somebody who's been on the inside of Pfizer? What happened to Pfizer? I, and that's a great question. What happened to Pfizer? Because I worked for Pfizer from 95 to 2000. It was the most, it was the highest integrity company I've ever worked for. I mean, they wouldn't let you color even a little bit outside the line. You couldn't even make a claim about a drug uh, from some testimonial you had heard. You had to stick with what the FDA approved. And if you violated that, or if you took a doctor, uh, bought something for a doctor in gratitude for writing your medicine, you were fired. There was there was no no wiggle room. So but there, but, but but also in 2009, Pfizer and, and it was a pharmacia slash upjohn, which was a shell company that Pfizer set up. Yeah. The Department of Justice in 2009 mm -hmm. criminally and civilly fined Pfizer underneath that shell company. Yeah. $2.3 billion. So yeah. between 2000 and 2009, what happened? And that's what I was heading to. When I left in 2000, it was just really the, the best uh, highest integrity company I ever worked for. But what I've seen since 2009 and 2020, uh, what I've seen with these booster and COVID shots for infants, I, I had a lady I met today door knocking who said that uh, her daughter just had a baby and they went and got the COVID shot for their baby right after birth. And I do not understand what's going on with Pfizer. One, I fear the, uh, the vaccine. Uh, we didn't test it. We didn't, uh, we, we really didn't have any trials. We're actually right now having in essence, a human trial. That's right. Us. It's an unregulated, unaccountable, medical experiment. Totally. And it's not just here in the United States because Pfizer, you know, Pfizer's got the market down in Uruguay. They have the market in Israel that, I mean, they're, they're distributing to 110 countries. Yeah. And, and so I, I can't even explain. I've not been in the company for you know 22 years, but uh, my goodness, I'm so disappointed. I've seen the damage these shots have brought for so many people and uh, it's horrifying and they're still pushing it. And of course the government has been in on it, that, that, that a government corporate uh, working together, uh, we are seeing everything just completely polluted in that government and, and public partnership. It's killing us. And uh, I just, I'm just horrified by what we're seeing. And uh, then they talk about the vaccination, you know, prevents COVID. Well, then it makes it not as bad. And then they said, well, you got to get, you know, three boosters this year. What other vaccination have we ever seen where the vaccination alone didn't take care of it? And now it's booster after booster after booster. What are we putting in our system? I think we're going to rue the day. Uh, we're ruining it now, but it's going to get a whole lot worse. So so let's talk about your district. Uh, how are you? How's your race? Uh, have you debated your your opponent? We've not had a debate. We've had four forums so far, they're candidate forums, where 
I go and my opponent's supposed to go and we talk about the issues. We answer the questions to whoever's hosting the forum. The first three, my opponent didn't show up. Uh, the fourth one, uh, she did show up. She gave an introduction. I gave my introduction and then and then she left. And um, well, we're, see we're seeing this across the country that a lot of the Democrats are not showing up. It's almost like the the, the playbook of uh, Joe Biden running in 2020 from the basement. Absolutely. When you're an incumbent, especially 98 percent retention rate, uh, the best thing they can do in their minds is do basketball. Basketball, you call it the stall. You mm -hmm. just burn out the clock. And when incumbents get so much money. To compared to a challenger, it is so, you know, they, they feel like I don't need to do anything, but just don't mess up. Don't get in a bad quote. Uh, and I will ride this thing to victory. But I do believe we've got this uprising amongst our neighbors. We're saying, look, we've had enough of this. You're destroying our country. I spoke to a large group Thursday night and I began just with the basic thing, which I think you and I visited with about before. I just asked the crowd, if you hated this country, what would you do to destroy it? And I let the crowd give me the answers. What and did you it, hear? What did you hear from, from the people? Oh, it was unbelievable. One person said the first, the first answer, open the borders and no longer defend them. Another person said, spend our nation into total debt so that we'll go bankrupt. And another one say, um, de-industrialize our nation, get rid of oil and gas, get rid of, of technology, get rid of these things. Another one said, program our children to hate our nation. Another one said, let drugs be a rampant throughout the nation. So we lose our desire to work. We lose the initiative to take care of ourselves. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, all these things are what's going on in our country right now. But it was so interesting to hear, uh, you know, mom and pop, to hear Jack and Jill's just normal people who really didn't have an ideology, just talking about what they would do to destroy the country. And then to be able to turn around and say, everything you just named is what's going on in our country. What do you think the purpose is? So what's your opponent running on? My opponent is running on three main issues. Number one, abortion, abortion without parental notification, abortion without any regulation at all, without any limit. Number two, like including, including late term abortion. Absolutely. Absolutely. She was on the board of Planned Parenthood before she became a congresswoman. A uh, stand up for the second big deal, LGBTQ, a uh, stand up for the trans and the sexual surgeries to uh, match someone's sexual preference. And then the now, third do you, pardon me for interrupting. Do you, Johnny, do you have one of those uh, trans clinics at, at any of the medical complexes in your district that you know? We of? had one in the med center and which is the one of the greatest med centers in the, in the nation. And uh, they've been threatened in Texas. Uh, our governor's been great. And he said, look, if you're involved in these surgical modifications, it will be uh, determined as abuse. 
and you will be looked at uh, for imprisonment. And because of that, uh, the largest one here in Houston, uh, my understanding, closed. And uh, they discontinued that therapy. And I want to tell you, I, I, what we're doing is, and, and I honestly, I've heard you say this before, what we're doing is we're sterilizing a generation and we're stealing from them the pleasures of a sexual relationship with their spouse uh, where there's no orgasm. And then we're making these things where, I mean, literally they're irreversible. Uh, well, it's it's scary. And, and I've spent a lot of time in Africa. And, you know, Jane Fonda and I agree on one thing, that the uh, female genital mutilation mm-hmm. is barbaric. Is. And I'm not, I what I don't understand here in America is the lack of historical context because back in the 70s, and there's a book, and, and I, I, I have it, and I forget the name of it, but it was about two twins. And out of John Hopkins, a, a doctor named John Money, this, this kid, uh, the, one of the twins had some deformity and they and this child, he operated on it. It was a transgender. And he talked about the success of this in the 70s. Well, as it turned out, it was not a success. Okay, suicides were involved. But it, th- this program was shut down. That money ran. And money was the first generation after, uh, after Kinsey. And he ran this. And Hopkins shut it down. So, you know, it's kind of surprising to me that we have all these clinics and they didn't, they, they just, these clinics were not just set up no. three years ago. All right. They, they've been in operation for some period of time, but the, the transgender for children, the puberty blocking, no parental, you know, responsibility or, or the pushing on this or getting the shrinks involved or, yeah infusing the kids and and I think it's I think it's a really scary slope so so your opponent is 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 for this very pro very pro for it okay what's the third point what the third, the third one is the better? only one that really has any relevance in our district and that is flood mitigation now mm-hmm. we had hurricane harvey here and it blistered us i mean it you know the 100 year floods we hear all the time this was right. a 1000 year flood and we're right to want to make sure we deal with that. But it's interesting. Houston always has flooding. We've got to deal with it. Our commissioners, our two conservative commissioners, have some real good ideas on what we could do. I've had a few ideas on using the Rafino landfill and using it as a overflow or as a way we can um, handle the excessive waters. Mm-hmm. But So it's a true issue. But I want to tell you, when you're looking at the crime rampant in our city, when you're looking at the price of food and the shortages of food, when you're looking at the cost of rent, when we look at the fact that electric bills have doubled, a thousand year flood, the chance of us having another flood like that, maybe another thousand years. Now, granted, they can come in clusters. But what is important to people today isn't even abortion or the trans thing not flooding. And so the biggest issues we have, the border, crime, inflation, my opponent is silent on those issues. And, and we, and that's what Washington is right now too. And we have got to deal with these issues that are threatening our families. 
Well, it's the kitchen table issues and, and Americans in, in times of trouble, they really do. They really do vote the economy and they do vote the gas and groceries. Yeah. I mean, that's in how much is gas down in Houston? These days? Well, thankfully, right now it's two ninety nine. Well, it's better than other parts of the country, which is good right now. Unfortunately, we're, we're seeing October looks like it's going to take a tick up in Houston. We had one of the largest refineries in the nation and it closed because of government pressure, because of BlackRock pressure, because of ESG pressure. So we're drilling in Texas, but we're having to ship what we what we pull up uh, across the world to get it refined and bring it back. And, and this is part of the reason why costs, you know, gas and fuel costs are expensive, but it's just not sustainable. Where, where, are, the, where are you guys shipping, shipping it to overseas? Right now, it's my understanding, it's going to Africa, to Nigeria, going to a place where they have re- the ability to refine. It is interesting. Our clean energy people, they don't realize that it's just like the rare earth metals for these electric vehicles and these batteries and these chips. It is the greatest pollution uh, process. And it's interesting, the U.S., we're okay if some other nation gets that and has to deal with that. And then we feel all good about ourselves because we're so clean. Well, we didn't clean it. We just pushed it off on the neighbor. And if they really have this global uh, worldview, right. then they would see that this, this push for electric vehicles is doing more damage to our globe than anything else. So, uh, so Pastor, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in terms of human trafficking with the border? Human trafficking in Houston is huge. Where my district is, District 7 here in Texas, we are the number one district in prostitution. Uh, where my church is that I pastor, we're on Derry Iceford and the West Park Toe. You go three major streets over, Bel Air, Beach Nut, then to Bissonette. Bissonette has the largest prostitution, human trafficking, um, exploitation in our host city. In fact, they call it the Bissonette track. Mm-hmm. And you can drive down there any day and see young women and older women walking up and down that street looking for um, a hookup or, or a john. And, and they're literally walking almost completely naked. Some are there willingly. A lot are put out there by force. Mm-hmm. And our human trafficking, we have massage parlors. We have uh, all these different venues through which human trafficking is going on. And for a nation that seems to care about women and care about exploitation and yet letting, you know, and you've heard this, the, the, the truth that many of these women and girls who are being trafficked into the United States under the guise of asylum are being raped or being molested uh, or being trafficked or having to work off that debt to get here Right. On the Bissonette track in my district, it's horrifying. Well, I, you know, I, I actually presented on human trafficking. Back, I think it's about 17 years ago to to your uh, to the council in in Houston uh, to mayor's council, and and the people were concerned then. But I mean, it's it seems to me that you know we we talk a lot about what we're concerned about, but then we don't really solve anything. We don't reduce the numbers. Uh, and then, quite frankly, you know, you, when you've got the gangs and economics, economics are low, market market drops, 
Um, people are desperate and a lot of people will do some desperate things, whether that they're trafficking or whether, you know, I, I don't always think that people are willingly in prostitution. I think they are forced into it. And, and a lot of the, the victims that I've interviewed over the course of two decades plus, many of them are victims of child abuse. If you go back, if you uh, years ago, I was in a, a detention center in Philadelphia interviewing many of the women who were there. And I asked them, how many of you have been rape victims? Almost all their hands went up. I said, how many of you uh, were raped, you know, 10 years of age or younger? 75% of the hands. How many of you have been raped, you know, under four or five years of age? And, you know, it's just, it's compounded trauma. And so, you know, it's no wonder that, uh, but it's not just, you know, women. I I, want to emphasize that. It's a lot of men too who are out there. And it's, it's, it's a stain on humanity. That, that we have we have allowed this to go on, even though people are aware of it. Um, as well, we have, you, you know, we're, we're aware of poverty. We're aware of hunger. We're aware of economic distress. And and it seems to me that we have a lot of people in D.C. that are not into solutions. No. And what you're looking at and what you said is so right on some of the most promiscuous people we've ever known in our lives were raped uh, as children, or they were molested as children. Mm-hmm. So now let's look at where we are today, where we're letting drag queen story hour, and we're letting children in elementary put a dollar in the g-string of a man dressed as a woman, and we we are teaching these kids that these things are right, and they're even trying to make this this uh, man boy love thing be something that's legal and that children want oh, that, that that is the, that, that is the end result uh, the, the, the end goal here is for the decriminalization yeah. of pedophilia i yeah. have seen it in my body of work as a journalist covering human trafficking that's right they want to they want to absolutely decriminalize it make it into an accepted sexual orientation yeah and that that's wrong it's wrong i mean when when what people don't understand is that the drag queen is actually grooming because it's normalized it. And most of the perverts who go after children, they use pornography. They don't just rape them. They, they try to normalize it and they will show them adult pornography. They will show them child pornography mm-hmm. and then they will get them into it. And then they'll say, oh, don't tell mommy and daddy. That's like what's happening in the schools. Right. Don't tell mommy and daddy. This is on your computer, the computer that you have, you know, may be programmed so that you can just the child will use it in the school, but not when they're home with mommy and daddy. So yeah. it, it, it's, you know, when when parents or when a child is told, don't tell your parents, that should be a red flag across America. That's right. You know, it is interesting. The worst prison sentences we have other than for murder is for having child porn. I mean, you look at what time people are serving for that and then to turn around right and to want to legalize it mm-hmm. it it's almost like how can we be on both sides it makes no sense but we are destroying our culture and the things that we are accepting in America are are literally outlawed in Russia and China it's just horrific things. And so here you have two countries. Well, it's not exactly outlawed in China. I mean, yeah, not, yeah you're and, right. You're and right. we know that child prostitution, I mean, that I think the age of consent is actually lower in Russia than it is here. And in China with the Uyghurs, I mean, you know, yeah. she is she is complicit in, in terms of human yeah. trafficking. And, and really, I was kind of kind of taking more of a broader view when I look at drugs, 
when you look at uh, some of the things that we embrace here. I mean, uh, Grimes is serving time in Russia for having what cannabis oil. And here we've legalized smoking it and we've, we've legalized all these things. So anyway, back to the child thing. I'm so concerned for our children. I'm, I'm horrified what they're seeing. Their innocence is being stolen. Their value is being shown just for how they can please a predator. And, and if we're seeing this now, what are we going to see the results when those kids grow up and how much more Will it be? Will it be embraced? And I think they used to say, "What one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace." And and we are on the cusp of just complete destruction uh, internally. I couldn't agree with you more on that, Doctor Pastor Johnny Teague. Thank you for joining us. And I do want to I do want to mention to everybody: you need to buy this book. We're going to do a separate interview with the. Uh, Pastor Teague, about the, the lost diary of Anne Frank. Um, and so for that, thank you very much for to be with us today, and we'll continue our conversation. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it so much.